not days after I openly question the doctor's contention from the Stanic witch about witches sending succubus in the night, do I wake up and see sitting in a chair right in front of my bookshelf this obscure creature, top hat, red eyes, slouched a little bit, one leg crossing over the other, clearly feminine. And I couldn't help but think, fuck, was I wrong? I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is April 26th, and as of today, we have 2,992,639 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 206,883 deaths. And I've got a great show for you this week. <laughs> uh, first of all, awesome. Uh, I, I go up into the mountains because... I want to get away from the confines of my home. Makes sense, right? And we're driving down the highway and remarking about how clear the roads are and how wonderful it is to be able to get out of your house and into the wilderness. And then we get into the canyon and I realize why the valley is completely empty because Every single damn person is up in the canyon with the exact same damn thought process as we had. Now, here's the deal. Salt Lake County lifted their stay-at-home orders, and they are still restricting people under, to, uh, you know, no more than 10 people in one confined space. However, if you go out to a campground up in the canyon, there are just... Dozens upon dozens of people stacked right next to each other with picnic tables right next to each other and kids running around frantically. I Either people are just in a I don't give a fuck anymore state or they don't really realize that six feet away from each other is still a contraction zone for COVID. <laughs> Blows my mind that no one seems to be paying attention at all. Now... I didn't get out of my car once. We went up lined roads the entire way uh, up to the canyon, got to uh, a place called Mildy North, uh, turned around, it's a trailhead, and then started driving back down. And on the way back down, all of a sudden, all the cars line up to one stop in the middle of the road. And we see this huge plume of smoke coming out from around the bend down the road, down the canyon ahead of us. And we realized that, oh shit, we are not going anywhere. Like this is, clearly there's a fire. We saw a fire engine 
zoom past us when we were on our way up, it was going down. We saw uh, uh, police vehicles flying down the canyon. Never once thought that it was because of something that would end up blocking my way of getting out of said canyon. And so we ended up sitting in my car watching YouTube on my screen because I didn't want to get out of the car because we were at a dead standstill. Um, I didn't want to get out of the car and uh, converse with all of the other people up in the mountains because they were all standing, getting out of their cars, standing around, chatting with each other, talking about what was going on down there. Ended up being uh, a truck caught on fire and it was just burning itself out uh, on the side of the road. Because apparently people don't know how to put water in their radiator or I don't know. They don't take care of their vehicles, clearly. Uh, so that was my day. It was great. Uh, morning, Valerie, or afternoon, Valerie. How's it going, Zachary? Dog, what's up? Um, satanic Preacher, how you doing, man? Uh, I did start early. That is correct. Uh, and it was because I wanted to. <laughs> I was just sitting here. What am I going to do? Just sit here, look at porn and get videotaped? No, I'd rather just start the show. Um, so I started a little bit early. Sorry about that. I was serious in that cold open, though. Like, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, like, when, you know, you're, you're bleary-eyed, and it's the middle of the night, and shadows cast forms, and so you can, your brain makes shapes out of those shadow-casted forms and stuff. And so I, I really did see <laughs> this uh, female sitting there just staring at me. It was pretty cool, actually. Like, I see some weird stuff, though. I see, like, like, and of course, because I'm a Satanist, and the aesthetic that I love so much is tied up around demons and occult figures and stuff. And so I see like demons like perched against the ceiling and the wall. And you know, I just see all sorts of random stuff when I wake up in the middle of the night and just bleary eyed and shadows are cast. That's how I roll. I don't know. I can't be the only one. Um, 15 BTC or I released the video. <laughs> there it is, dude. <laughs> How's it going, Elijah? What's up, Aaron? Uh, Sean, good to see you, man. Okay, so I was watching earlier today and I've never, I don't think I've ever heard a song from Post Malone in my entire life. I've never, I mean, I heard he lives around here somewhere, but I don't care. So I just never thought about it until I saw that he was doing a Nirvana set list. And so I was like, yeah, Nirvana is pretty badass. So I tune in. He fucking killed it. He was great. I had no idea that this cat could do that. Oh my goodness. If you guys haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. I think it's on like the popular list they cultivate or something like that. But it's a great set list. He did a really great job. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I was surprised. Yeah, demon faces, demon everything. Pseudo devils, you name it. Yeah, man. That's that's how we roll. It's just, <laughs> you see what you know. <laughs> so we see demons and devils. Um, book club. So the book club is starting. So if you're in the group chat, pay attention to the group uh, because I'm going to be posting um, our first meeting and uh, the book and how many pages we're going to be reading uh, within the next day or two. Uh, and then we'll just start that off. It's going to happen. I, I wanted to do it for a long time. There's literally nothing keeping me from doing it. And even if no one joins me, I'll just be talking to myself like I do right now. So <laughs> no difference, right? It'll be the exact same situation. How's it going, Clinton? Uh, William, how you doing? So uh, it's going to happen. 
it's going to be fun. So if, you, if you're into that, check out my website, reverendcampbell.com slash groups or um, slash, I think it's slash book dash club, and that'll get you there. But you got to be a member of the site. Um, it's free, but you got to be a member. So uh, Earth Day happened this past Wednesday, and this entire show is pretty much wrapped up around a similar concept vein of uh, Satanists' perceptions. And again, through my lens, not everyone's, you know, mileage will vary. Um, but different veins of how people perceive uh, what total environments are, as we're going to speak to in The Devil's Advocate. We're going to be talking about uh, an infernal informant, uh, the dire need to stop sanitizing everything because bacteria are good. And we're also going to talk about uh, gardening tips. <laughs> this is an interesting article I found. And then in Creature Feature, to close out the show, we're talking about devs. And if you haven't seen this mini-series, it's this eight-part mini-series on Hulu through FX on Hulu. Um, it's brilliant. And I'm going to tell you all about it. And we're going to have some fun conversations because damn, is that was that series great. Really, really great. Are you not a member of my site? Yeah. What the fuck, yo? How's it going, Dave? Okay, um, should we just dive in? This is going to be a long show. Yeah. Oh, hey, so here's something that I've been, I've been bantering around the idea of. I tried to set up a group ritual for uh, Valpurgisnacht. And no one wants to do it because either they have work commitments the next day or we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So they don't want to get together. I respect that. I understand. I just thought we could, you know, modify things, whatever. But I still am going to perform a ritual no matter what, because that's what I do. I enjoy it. It's fun. And a compassion ritual in particular. So I was thinking for... For members of my website only to perform a compassion ritual live and they could in some way participate as well either we could do like a uh, like a, a zoom or a google meet or a skype session where everyone is in their garb and you know doing the call and response as one would do in a group ritual so it would be a digital group ritual I, or I could just do a solo performance of a personal ritual. Either way, it's not really going to take me out of the mood once, because once I get into the ritual mode, the mindset, my suspension of disbelief is on and it's it's game on. So I don't know. I'm I'm debating on which direction to take. But uh, I think it could be fun, and it could be a new way of experiencing something that many of us are uh, very used to, or have never experienced before, if you've never performed a group ritual of any kind. And again, it's sort of breaking boundaries, right? I've never tried to perform a ritual in a group setting via internets, <laughs> via the intertube. <laughs> never. I never even thought about it before this. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. Uh, how's it going, Stephanie? It's good to see you. Informative purposes only. How you doing? Let's get into a little devil's advocate, shall we?
All right, let me throw up an image I got here for this bit of a convo. Mm, I think this is the right one. I guess we'll find out. Okay, so this is around the concept of total environment guests, loosely. Uh, and I'll get to it in more detail here in just a second. But the uh, reference is from an article called Bacteria Are All Around Us, and That's Okay, from sciencenewsforstudents.org. Uh, it's nothing new, but I thought it was interesting in the context of the concept of total environment. And before I get into the, the article itself, and, and let me sort of wrap, um, wrap your head around what I'm thinking here. Because ultimately, when we, anecdotally, when we, when I think of a total environment, I'm thinking specifically of my space in my life, that would be my home and the land that my home is on, right? My property. Uh, that would be my total environment. I have a satellite total environment of my office, uh, which I haven't been to in over a month, but it exists. It's still there, I think. I don't know. Um, the plague zombies may have gotten it already. But uh, those are two spaces where I just have complete authority over. And because Satanists uh, have particular aesthetics, uh, designing a total environment means you have total ownership over that space. But I like to extrapolate out. I don't like to think small. Um, I like to think larger. And so in a larger scope, total environment not only includes the physical boundaries that you exist within, but also your mental faculties. Your physical form is definitely your total environment. And how ironic is it that so many Satanists take so poor care of their physical body and yet have a beautiful looking altar, for example, you know, <laughs> or, or a home to die for. And yet physically they're deteriorating and rotting from the inside. Um, total environment is not just your environment. It's the housing of your essence, of your mind, your body. It's also the boundaries outside of your property, right? And so the society at large, I see as an extension of my total environment because I interact and manipulate and change it according to my own will, lesser magic. Um, but there's an element of that of which we as humans must accept we have little to no control over, and that's the bacterial world. And I find it so fascinating that there is an element of our world that we know very little about that without we would not be able to survive. It's, it's fascinating to me. And yet this is a part of the total environment that we've never really considered. At least I've never considered as a Satanist. So how can I interact with this part of my total environment in order to better my future or my current state of living? Right? So that's why I wanted to get into this, um, because I think it's interesting. Uh, interesting. We have to get Naomi Wu on one of these TE talks. I'm going to have to look that up, because I don't know what that is. Okay. Um, bacteria play central roles in many ecosystems. These include the oceans, soil, and atmosphere. They're also a big part of global food web, 
Bacteria make it possible for all life on Earth to exist. That's why scientists say it's the single-celled organisms are the invisible backbone of all life, at least on Earth. Uh, scientists think they've identified fewer than 1% of all bacterial species. Uh, there are the methane eaters, which in the context of an Earth Day conversation, a total environment conversation, are incredibly important. Uh, some bacteria eat really weird things. Scientists have found bacteria that eat rocks, sewage, even nuclear waste. There's a type of bacteria that live on the sea floor that gobble up methane. So methane is a greenhouse gas like carbon dioxide and some other greenhouse gases. It enters the air when people burn oil, gas, and coal. They're natural sources of methane, such as natural gas, rice production, and cow manure. Greenhouse gases trap heat in the atmosphere, and excess of these gases on Earth's atmosphere have been warming the global climate, threatening your total environment. Methane can seep out of the Earth at the sea floor. Some scientists say that even more methane would escape into the atmosphere if it wasn't for marine bacteria. Only by partaking, uh, partnering with other single-celled organisms called the archaea. So, literally, bacteria are combining with other creatures on the ocean's floor and consuming methane, which boggles my mind. And instead of breathing oxygen, because there's no oxygen, it's nitrous. Um, uh, wait, um, I think I just flubbed that. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to look that up, what they're breathing, but it's not oxygen. Uh, so from bread to biofuels, these bacteria make carbon dioxide, acids, and other flavorful compounds. But to function, uh, for example, sourdough bacteria need their friends. Isolate just one bacterial species from the whole mix, and the chemical reaction won't happen. These plant-based fuels can actually power cars or trucks. They're considered green, meaning more Earth-friendly than fossil fuels. The enzymes currently used to make biofuels are expensive. They also don't work very well. That's why researchers all over the world are searching for enzymes that might lower the cost and speed uh, the production of biofuels. So bacteria not only help us survive and create foods for us to consume uh, through their own chemical interactions. They clean methane to help reduce greenhouse gases, and you can actually use it as a source of fuel, thanks to bacteria, which is amazing. So, metamicrobes. Scientists need a different way to tell bacteria apart uh, and know when they've stumbled upon new ones, key to the sleuthing is DNA. All of the cast-off genetic bits are known as environmental DNA, or E-DNA. The sum of all that genetic material in an environment is called the uh, metagenome. They look, uh, scientists look for familiar patterns known as genetic sequences in the metagenome, and they can compare these patterns to the fingerprints of familiar bacteria to see where the new bacteria fall within the tree of life. So, if for those of you who may not know, human beings exist as a part of every other element of life on this planet. Plants and animals. We all share DNA. And this figurative tree of life is the branching of shared DNA throughout different species and um, uh, different types of life on Earth, as it were. Even bacteria share DNA. So in the same way that we leave DNA behind throughout our interaction with our environment, so do every other living organism, bacteria included. Um, so 
30 years ago, all known single-celled organisms on the planet fit, it in, fit into a dozen major groups. Now, today, there are about 120 known groups of the phyla, of these uh, genetic sequences, these uh, groups of metagenomes. So we thought it was a dozen before, and now we're realizing it's 120 known groups, and they still think we're only 1% of all known bacteria, uh, aware of 1% of all known bacteria. A source of life that is essential for our lives and our environments, and we know nothing about it. Fascinating stuff. Little life, big data. Think about the planet as a machine, and all the ecosystems on the Earth as the machine's parts. Earth Microbiome Project, more than 1,000 scientists around the world, are helping to collect samples of this eDNA. Researchers have collected 100,000 samples. They've cataloged bacteria from the deepest ocean. They found bacteria on the International Space Station, some 350 kilometers above Earth. They've discovered bacteria in exotic locations like the Amazon rainforest and ordinary places like public toilets. Discovering which bacteria lurk where and why it lurks there is the first step to understanding how different ecosystems drive the vast machine we think of as life on Earth. Learning about bacteria may also help answer questions about how our planet works, and this knowledge can help us take better care of our planet and ourselves. So I wanted to wrap this bit of the devil's advocate around this idea of how important taking care of other forms of life and being aware of other forms of life on this planet, even microbial life, only informs how we can live a better life as human beings. By abjectly destroying our environments, we're destroying our total environments in that course, we're killing ourselves slowly, and we are doing the exact opposite of what a Satanist who is supposed to love and champion life, their own life, should be doing. And so a bit of a soapbox here, but why can't we take better care of ourselves? Understanding we need bacteria. Understanding we need to cultivate good bacteria in order to be healthy. See, in order to have true dominion over yourself, you have to understand what it is you're claiming to have dominion over. Now, of course, there is no real true dominion over oneself. We do our damnedest, but there are other factors. For example, the millions and millions of um, bacteria within us that allow us to exist. Separate entities that allow us to exist. And we don't know anything about it. And we're actively working against them with the foods that we choose to eat, the drinks that we decide to drink, um, uh, the uh, hell that we are putting down onto our environments, uh, the people that we vote into office who take away environmental regulations. We're making these decisions that directly harm our chance of having a total environment. Now, of course, you can always argue that, well, that's just a pentagonal revisionism idea that, you know, me as an individual Satanist, I don't really give a fuck. I could live on the street and be perfectly happy. Well, congratulations to you, Mr. or Mrs. Living on the fucking street. There are some of us who prefer to think of 
total environments as a reality that we do want to have control over things around us and elements of our life. Because when you are in as much control as you possibly can be, then you are going to be more effective utilizing lesser magic, manipulating others, and seeing your will be done. Because if you're not in control, in any form of control, then you won't be able to do that. It, it, it stuns me that, that we just ignore some parts of life like this because we don't think about it. Or, or as Satanists, you don't care about the environment or you don't care about uh, other ecosystems or, or other animal species when it's all connected on this rock hurling through space. We, our ego tells us that we're separate, but reality says vastly different. We are all connected. That doesn't mean you have to love everyone or even like anyone or anything or anywhere. But it does mean you should think twice before throwing your trash out or buying that shitty cheeseburger to poison yourself with so much sugar and fats and salts or downing fucking two liters of soda every goddamn day. These are elements of your total environment that you are fucking over willingly. And it's just going to hurt you in the long run. And if this is all you got, and you're just self-destructing while still claiming to be the highest embodiment of human life, you're full of shit. And you should at least have the integrity to be able to look in the mirror and admit it and stop pretending to be something that you're not. And that's a powerful Satanist. No one's perfect. We're all going to find ways that make us uh, uh, deteriorate a little bit more. We all have vices. That's great. Fine. It's not about being a perfect version of you. It's about working towards a better version of you. And if you know the problem and you ignore it, you're not helping your own cause. So just work to be a better version is all right. And that includes your microbiome. That includes your environment around you. And that includes everything in that environment around you. So don't confine your total environment to just your room or your house, or your city. Because it's all connected. All of it. If your neighbor gets a, a virus in their garden, a disease in their garden, it can come over to your garden. These lines that we put up, property boundary lines, country boundary lines, they're all made up. They are not real, and nature don't give a fuck about them. Hey, we just had this newest virus spread across the world in weeks, infecting every country on the world in weeks. The world is on pandemic lockdown. So let's stop pretending that these borders mean anything to anyone but us. Because the rest of life that exists, virus included, don't care. They're just trying to live. <laughs> um, okay, so what are you guys saying in the chat? Oh, interesting. Positive the idea of a satanic country. Small, rational, and very, very human. Yeah, I don't know. The problem is, is you know, no Satanist agrees on anything. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how that would work. The idea of democracy is not um, copacetic with every Satanist. Uh, 
So I, I just don't know how that would ever work. And there's just, quite frankly, not a lot of us. We could all probably fit in one of the smaller uh, uh, states collectively, you know, because we're such a minority. Uh, oh, well, thanks for that, uh, Stent Preacher. I appreciate it, man. Okay, so let's do a little infernal informant. Okay, I've got an image for this first article as well. Let me uh, pop it up here on the screen. Uh, yeah, this one. <laughs> Cute. Okay, we need to stop sanitizing everything and let bacteria back into our lives. This is from the NewYorkPost.com. Uh, it's a 2016 article, so it's an oldie but a goodie. Dr. Jack Gilbert, Associate Director of the Institute of Genomic and Systems Biology at Argonne National Laboratory, wants to make our hospitals dirty. Since a surgeon named Joseph Lister became the first to use antiseptic techniques in 1867 and saved thousands of lives, modern medicine has worked tirelessly to create sterile medical environments free of microorganisms. According to Dr. Gilbert, the lack of a rich microbial ecosystem, especially in our hospitals, might be causing more harm than good, leading to drug-resistant strains of powerful superbugs and infection-causing viruses. Science writer Ed Young agrees with Dr. Gilbert, featuring him in his book, I Contain Multitudes, which tries to change our minds about bacteria. Young points out that there are more bacteria in your gut than there are stars in our galaxy, and of these, fewer than 100 species of bacteria comprise our health. The rest, which coexist in and among us, aren't just harmless, they protect us and make us who we are. We cannot live without the microbes we host. Microbes not only impact the shape of many of our organs, they replace dying and damaged cells and help our bodies absorb and store nutrients and fat. Humans first make contact with their uh, microbiomes through the birth canal. From that moment forward, microbes help bolster our immune systems, helping our bodies learn to live with viral diseases that enter our bloodstream. And this is something that I find interesting because we never considered um, a, having a traditional birth through uh, the vaginal canal uh, in my family. We never considered that as a health choice. We just, that's just how it was always done and how it was always taught to us. So we always did it. And it was very fashionable in the 90s and uh, 80s and 90s to do um, C-sections for women so that <laughs> they retained their vaginal integrity. And I'm not going to fault anyone for that, but their children miss out on valuable bacteria straight away. Bacteria that has helped their mothers be incredibly healthy, uh, well, as healthy as they may be, let's be honest. Uh, and it's an immediate sort of handoff, like a starter kit for the kids' microbiome to develop. So it's a really important part of the process. Not to mention, vaginas are strong and resilient. They bounce back, chill the fuck out. <laughs> so that's, of course, coming from a guy who's never had to have a baby, it's easy to say, you know, you should have a vaginal birth instead of <laughs> something else. 
but I'm just saying, for the sake of your kids. <laughs> Studies have shown that dogs who come into their own set of aller allergy-suppressing microbes are the most beneficial to households' microbial health. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it, man. Helping to strengthen the immune system of its children. So if you have animals in your home, of course, everything, every, every bit of life has its own microbiome in order to survive. It needs it. They come with their own microbiome, which then mixes with yours, sometimes in a good way by building up uh, resistance, as I just spoke to here, but sometimes also some bad ways. Like there are some real random, rare dangers of like flesh eating bacteria from just a dog licking you that can occur. It's not common, but it does happen. People have lost limbs because of it. Crazy, right? Crazy. Uh, in some cases, microbes are simultaneously deadly and healing. The C. diff, an infection Ill infectious illness caused by an imbalance of otherwise healthy bacteria, attacking the lining of the small and large intestines can cause death. There is a cure with a success rate of 94% during the, its test phase through fecal implants. And when I first heard about the fecal implant, I literally thought someone was picking up poop and putting it in your butt. <laughs> like, that's my infantile, childish, when you tell me fecal implant, that's what I think of. Uh, but really, it's like a pill they take, and that's it. But what it does is it, it in, literally injects your intestines with healthy bacteria. Think about that for just a second. If your microbiome in your body gets a little bit out of whack, you will die. And so you have to get a healthy it's it's insane. You think of your microbiome like a human society, and if you just have one group of that society that is acting in direct contrast to the rest of the group, one bad apple spoils a whole damn bunch, you will destroy that society. Same thing with your body. It's fascinating to me. Life is just layers upon layers of the exact same thing. It's fascinating. Um... Studies are showing simply consuming healthy bacteria isn't the answer. The goal just can't be adding microbes. It has to be finding a way to nurture and sustain them. So that idea of just eating yogurt every day, like I do, uh, Greek yogurt, it actually doesn't really help your gut that much. Like you need to be able to nurture what you have and sustain the healthy ones through exercise, diet, mental care, and, and that amazingly, <laughs> will protect what you've got and help cultivate it. Uh, those of us living in modern cities, towns and villages have destroyed so much of the healthy microscopic life that belongs in our bodies, it has rendered our own microbiomes comparatively deficient. The overuse of antibiotics and antiseptic cleaners is impacting our ability to maintain a balance of healthy microbes in our bodies and environments. So, the reason why the vast majority of people who contract a flu or, let's say, COVID-19 don't die, they get sick at varying degrees of sickness if they show anything at all, is because their bodies are fighting that foreign virus, that foreign infection. Your microbiome helps in that fight. So... so if you are already unhealthy or immunocompromised, you will have a worse effect when you contract any virus, no matter what it is. And you can die from it more than, say, a healthy person. 
<laughs> and that all starts with your microbiome. Not push-ups or sit-ups, but your belly, your guts. It's crazy to me. I, I don't know if I'm the only one that's, that is always amazed by this. And the irony of us cleansing and washing and sterilizing everything every second of the day from when the kid comes out of the womb to, uh, you know, every time they come home during a pandemic. We're not helping them. We're not helping ourselves. We're actually damaging ourselves and we're creating um, uh, viruses that are resistant to antibiotics and um, uh, super viruses, as it were, super bugs, as they call them. We're, we're actually doing something worse than just taking care of ourselves and protecting us. We're poisoning ourselves. We just don't see it right in the second, and so we continue doing it. So yeah, wash your hands when it needs to be washed. But enough with the frickin' alcohol rubs. Like, you're not helping your kids. When I was a kid, it again, one of these old people sayings, we would play in dirt, and sometimes you'd get some in your mouth and you'd eat dirt. That is a thing. There are people who like habitually eat dirt because they, their bodies are missing some sort of mineral or nutrient that they're trying to find. And so just habitually, without even thinking about it, they're consuming dirt of all weird things. It's not common, but it happens. Our bodies tell us when it is deficient if you listen to it. And this isn't some weird, holistic, you know, hippy-dippy thing. This is fucking science. This is real life. This is fact. If you're ever going to pretend to have any uh, autonomy in this world, any ability to uh, have any autonomy over your own life, you have to at least understand what the hell's going on inside of you and what comprises what and who you are, right? Uh, I just thought that was fascinating when I read it. And because it's Earth Day, I wanted to sort of have everything tying into life. So I thought I'd bring it up here. And of course, we're sterilizing everything nowadays because of this pandemic. And we're probably hurting ourselves in the future because of it. Making ourselves more susceptible. And please, if... Oh, right. Yeah, no. Drinking from the garden hose. Absolutely. Totally normal thing. A little bit of rust ain't going to kill you. Um, uh, yeah, George Carlin was great about stuff like this, man. Just great. Um, let's see. It took years to probably diagnose. It wasn't C. diff, but I can definitely say it's not good to overly use antibacterial stuff. We need bacteria. Yeah, no, Dave, you're absolutely right. It is incredibly important. So don't listen to the president. Don't drink cleaning products in order to disinfect your fucking body or maybe do it so you can rid us of your genes in the gene pool. Um, I don't care. Either way, it's your choice. Uh, I wouldn't. But what I would do is not wash my hands so much. And if they're dirty, wipe them off and have your lunch. <laughs> you're not going to die. You're actually going to get more healthy because you're going to be exposing yourself to different elements in this world that your body can then fight and build an immunity to. Now, there are seasonal viruses and flus that you cannot build immunity to the next one but just the one that you're infected with. And like the flu, for example, it's new every single year. And so, you know, you can either get the flu shot and hope it's the correct one and not suffer the effects or not and get super sick and build up immunity to a virus that you're never going to encounter again and then do the same thing next year, <laughs> which I know people who do that. Doesn't make sense to me, but good on them. <laughs> 
Um, and stop freaking sanitizing your kids. Like, honestly, they need that exposure. You're doing them such a disservice. I, I mean, the, the rise in asthma and allergies because of not only environmental issues, but also the fact that we're over-sterilizing and sanitizing everything for our children. We're not allowing them to build up healthy immune systems. We're killing them in the process. Just something to think about. Let's do this next article here. This one's close to my heart. It's not very long, but I think it was, it was interesting. Uh, this is from The Ledger. It's actually a Florida publication, so it's going to reference some Florida stuff. Um, but because you can't always rely on uh, your local regions uh, to provide you with the opportunity of purchasing, purchasing uh, healthy fruits, vegetables, etc., you can always start your own garden. And there are ways to do so in an Earth Day reflective manner. Uh, that's a little bit more sustainable. So there are the five R's when you're thinking of gardening. Ref, uh, refuse, reduce, reuse, repurpose, and recycle. Okay, so the R's are hierarchical uh, with refuse being the first step and recycling being the final. So a common wasted product is plastic containers for plants. A typical plastic container for plants are not recyclable. Many avid gardeners do bare root transplants to refuse waste for their planting containers. So refuse what you know cannot be recycled. Just don't use it in the first place. Find other ways to uh, plant your plants or to purchase your plants as seeds or through um, local uh, garden uh, um, nurseries so that you don't have this overabundance of plastics that just cannot biodegrade. A common wasted product is plastic containers for plants. Typical plastic containers for plants are not recyclable. Oh, I just went over that. Uh, reduce relates to the pro program's biggest concern, and that's water. Find ways, uh, drip irrigations are great ways of reducing water uh, loss. Uh, only gardening as your region needs it. So a lot of smart sprinkling systems nowadays reference um, humidity in the air active rain uh, in order to know when it should turn on and turn off and you can have more that are tied into the internet to get satellite data and stuff so there's some really smart ways that you can conserve and also the type of sprinkling system or watering system for your garden that you use um, you can have them on uh, timers that adjust depending on the heat of the day so as needed uh, to conserve water and we always have to remember that though our planet is mainly made of water it's salt water <laughs> you can't feed life with salt water uh, certainly not your garden that is so there's a limited supply of fresh water is my point and especially regionally i live in a desert and so water here can be scarce it's just not it, it's um it's ridiculous to water your lawn when it's raining it's ridiculous to overwater your garden because you're just going to drown your seeds or your plants and they're not going to bear the produce that you're hoping to bear. Uh, so just be a little bit smart, know the region you live in, and use water accordingly uh, per plant per region. Um, so Florida's friendly landscaping program, first principle is right plant, right place. You can significantly reduce the landscape's overall inputs, which include water, fertilizers, and pesticides, 
by using the right plant in the right place. So there are plants that are indigenous to different regions. Now, I know we all like the exact same flowers, um, perennials and annuals and, and uh, plants to you know, go around our homes and stuff. Or we like those really rare looking ones and we're going to try to make it survive because we think it's pretty. Truth is, if you're going to be a responsible garden owner, you should be considering the types of plants that are native to your environment. And there are a huge variety, no matter where you live, even the desert, um, that are very beautiful and that will exist all year round to allow you to enjoy and help your own total environment thrive. If you don't have the right plant, then you could need to overwater in order to keep it living, depending on where you live, um, or add in fertilizer that is just not natural to your surrounding or nearby plants uh, or the environment as whole, or pesticides in order to keep pests, which is the reason why those plants weren't there in the first place <laughs> in your region. So consider it. Um, I just think it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a no duh thing, right? Right plant, right place. Um, water efficiently, uh, it's the third principle. Fertilize appropriately is the sixth and manage yard pests responsibly. So reuse relates to our ability to use the same materials multiple times in the landscape. Reusing our garden materials can save us money and help reduce our overall consumption in the land. Um, for us, reusing is composting. Uh, our chickens poop. We put that in a compost along with all of our scraps from the house, along with all of our weeds and all of our leaves and all of our grass that uh, we want to, you know, get out. Um, everything sits in this compost that I turn over every month and you end up with this really dense, rich um, soil that you then, the next year, put into your garden beds and have your gardens grow from. It's this entire cycle of using it, composting it, reusing it, into making new plants that you then compost when you're done with them. It's great. It's super easy. So why not? You know? uh, by repurposing items in your landscape, you create beautiful and unique features. Give a second life to discarded items. Incorporate repurposed materials into your landscape. Can create beautiful architectural features, colorful sculptures, or moments of inspiration. So one thing when I think of the idea of repurposing items are like urban, uh, urban garden projects, right? So, you know, typically, you know, you saw this a lot in the 90s, at least I did on TV, where um, communities would come together and there's just you know, sort of a lot that's not being used and they all chip in time and energy and resources and repurpose, you know, items that they have, whether it's tires or um, containers or what have you, and they create a garden out of this lot and they all tend to it and they all reap the rewards of it, right? So that's always what I think of when I think of reuse is reusing items that you can create uh, pieces of art or environmental functional uh, objects, uh, you know, stuff for you to sit on or to plant in out of existing other materials. Uh, recycling plant material within our landscape helps build healthy soil and provides nutrients in other plants. In turn, our healthy soils hold nutrients and moisture better, which makes for a much happier landscape. So I was just talking about that with... Um, um, composting. And then refusing unwanted waste, reducing our landscape inputs, reusing landscape material, repurposing discarded or unwanted items, or uh, by recycling our yard waste, we then create a healthier total environment and happier gardens. Because just like our gut biome, your soil 
has a microbiome and it needs to be healthy. It needs to have the right nutrients and the right active life in order to feed your plants because that's what your plants eat. So it's, it's a cycle, man. It's all a cycle from your environment, your soil, to the food that you eat, to your own microbiome. It is one continual cycle of life that we are controlling through our total environment. And that's why Earth is awesome. <laughs> that's my synopsis for the afternoon. All right, let's do a little creature feature and talk about some devs. It's so good. It is so good. I love the fly so much. That is such a great scene. <laughs> I mean, come on. All right, let me throw up the little poster here. Um, okay, so I'm a Nick Offerman fan, and that's why I started watching this. The only reason. But I'm glad I did. So, Devs is an American science fiction thriller television miniseries. I think there's like eight episodes. It was created, written, and directed by Alex Garden, Garland, who you know is the uh, creator of Ex Machina, or uh, Annihilation more recently. He's brilliant. And this is his magnus opus as far as I'm concerned. It is fan-fucking-tastic. It premiered on March 5th, 2020 on Hulu as part of the FX on Hulu deal. Uh, the series is centered around Lily Chan, played by Sonoya Mizuno, a computer engineer whose boyfriend's death is being investigated by Amaya, a quantum computing company they work for and run by Forrest, Nick Offerman. Uh, the show or the series explores themes related to free will and determinism, as well as Silicon Valley culture. The world turns as uh, um, Forrest, uh, the rule, the the entrepreneur who runs Amaya, the main corporation in this show. Uh, he believes that the world turns on a deterministic model of cause and effect. So the name of the show. Uh, of the project is not devs. The V is, uh, so this is going to spoiler territory, people. If you don't want to be spoiled about this, turn this off and come back at a later date. I'm sorry to do that to you. I do think it's worth watching and being surprised by. It's good. It's not amazing, the ending. It's kind of like, okay, I saw that coming, but it's still good. So if you don't want to be spoiled, leave now. I'm going to give you a five count to get out. That was a weird way to count five. I don't know why I did that. Um, so he believes that the world turns on a deterministic, deterministic model, meaning everything is predestined. You have no choice about what you do. You just do it because it has already been done. Um, the name of the project that Amaya is the company is running is called Devs. This is like a secret side project of this corporation. But the V is Roman. It's not actually a V, so it's not devs, it's actually a U. So it's deuce. In other words, this whole time the devs team has really been the deuce team, the Roman word for God, which was a private joke in the series uh, by the creator. So Alex Garland was um, 
talking about ex machina connection and predetermined endings in an article at denofgeek.com. And he says in both fictions, ex machina and devs or deuce, a tech CEO attempts to rebuild the world in its own image. Garland forever links his first series with his first directorial effort and completes the phrase deuce ex machina. The term is Latin for God from the machine. So, explains Garland, the real point of connection to me was that in Ex Machina, we have a man acting as if he was God. In Devs, you have a man attempting to create God. It was two sides of the relationship with God. These series, like, the film Ex Machina is very... My Siri just turned on. Um, Ex Machina is, is a Frankenstein story, essentially, um, where this uh, brilliant... A scientist creates life out of a machine. Um, in devs, it's not a brilliant scientist. It's an entrepreneur who's obsessed because he lost his daughter and he wants to bring his daughter back. And so he creates out of his tech company, Amaya, a group called Devs or Deuce, which is meant to create life. So if there is a deterministic model of the universe, everything is predestined, everything is going to happen, then he already sees his success is inevitable. He creates this um, computer system that models the universe, and he brings in the most brilliant um, men and women of the day to create this computer model. Visually, this series is striking. It is beautiful. The sound design in this series is spectacular. I mean, next level shit. Some people it might annoy because it's so aggressive, but it is beautiful. And the story itself as it unfolds, as you experience what the lead uh, character Chan is experiencing, is really wonderful because you start to question, is life predetermined? Is there free will? How much free will is there? It's a fascinating conversation to have, and this show forces you to have it. And that's what I love about media, is when it forces you to have a conversation that you didn't know you desperately needed to have. It's just a great way of experiencing thought playing right before your eyes in this particular case. Um, I highly recommend... Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys left if you didn't want spoilers. <laughs> Actually, I didn't spoil the ending, so it's not really spoiling it. I just gave away a big part of what devs was because throughout the whole series, everyone's like, oh, what's devs? What is devs? I don't know what devs is. It's a secret project devs. And I just told you what it was. It was a practical joke. <laughs> but the project itself had purpose. And it, for the course of the show, it was great. Just great. So I highly recommend everyone go check out devs. Eight parts. I think when it came out, it was one every week, so you couldn't binge it in a line. But now that it's all over with, you can just go binge it, binge it. I liked not having every episode queued up right after the one I watched because it forces you to think. This is, this is how I read, too. Like, I'll read a couple chapters, and I'll just stop, and I'll think about what I just read. I don't like to just plow through things. I want to reflect on them. It, for me, it helps me understand the content a little bit more. And so when consuming a series like Devs that is complex and challenging... It's nice for me to be able to have a week between episodes to just think and contemplate and wonder 
and it's great. And look forward to it because the music is great. The acting is great. Nick Offerman is, you've never seen him like this. He's great. <laughs> and you know, the, the emotional core of all of the characters' struggles are relatable and real. I mean, <laughs> spy novel real, not, not real real for most people. Uh, but either way, fantastic series. Hands down, you must see it if you enjoy um, thought-provoking television shows. I don't even know if you can call them television shows anymore. Limited series. I don't, I don't know what you call it. This is a weird time in media where nothing really is the same, <laughs> but it all kind of is. You know, It's just on that verge of being something completely different. Either way, it's great. Uh, Blake says, the entire deterministic V-free will debate is consistently fascinating and interesting. I don't believe we are entirely free or entirely locked into a rigid course of life. Sprinkles in both. See, and I like that idea because I, I'm speaking out of my ass a little bit because I don't remember the article I read. But there was an article that, um, a, a study, um, uh, like a research paper, I think it was, that said that um, when you study the brain, decisions that we make that we think are... Um, off the cuff are actually in our brain made earlier than our body enacts them, right? So our choice was made before we actually made the choice, which is a weird way to think about it because then there is no real free will because we already made the choice to do what we were doing when we decided to make the choice. And so our confirmation of that choice is the second process that's our awareness of it. There was already a part that was before our awareness that was made. So there's no real free will if the choice is already made somewhere for you. Which is weird. But that's why it's great. Because we don't know. And the fact that you have neuroscientists telling us that we just don't know enough about the brain is fucking awesome. Like, that's great. Because that's science, the pursuit of knowledge, right? And being able to say, I don't know, or what if, and having that what if thrown in your face and be completely wrong, and then picking up pieces and trying to come up with another what if. The process of science is fucking amazing. And yes, I do believe that there is a juncture between philosophy and science, the idea of free will, when seen through a chemical reaction in your brain. Because you can see cause and effect in that, which I think is great. So, anyway, I'm starting to sweat. We're at our time limit for the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I know I've been peppering you guys with shows, but I got to be honest with you. If I didn't have shows to produce, I would be going insane right now. I need these to stay. Like, again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I, the only reason why I trim my beard is because I know I'm going to do a nine cents every week. The only reason why I'm wearing a button-up shirt that I just ironed is because I know I'm going to be doing a nine cents each week. This is keeping me sane. And so you guys are contributing to my sanity. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I truly appreciate it. And those of you who tune in live chat and throw me your comments, all the better. You're awesome. I really, really, really appreciate your attention. You could be doing anything right now. And you chose to spend some time with me and listen to me rant. You're fucking awesome. Thank you very much for that. Okay. So that's going to do it for this show. You are very, very right there, Elijah. <laughs> I 
more than you know. Uh, it's hot. You can't be fully clothed. And you only see me from here up, so <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. Um, that's it for another M uh, Nine Cents. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like what I'm doing here, you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel. Sign up to the email list to find out what's coming next. Or like and share the video if you want to you know, share this around the web and have other people uh, shocked that you... <laughs> tidy whities That you uh, watch stupid shit like me. <laughs> you know? Nothing wrong with that. It's great. So, if you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, churchofsatan.com is the place to go. The Standard Bible and the Standard Scriptures are the books to read. And uh, it's a pretty good thing if you do it. So, explore it. You may find out you're not a Satanist. And that's okay, too. Just get out. All right. Thank you guys for your time and attention. Until next week, hail Satan. <laughs>